Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. What are you thankful for today? Oh, thanks, brother. I'm thankful for you too, man. What are you guys thankful for today? Life? Family? Sunshine? Health? What else are you thankful for today? Food. Yes, amen. Weather, friends. Awesome. Sorry? Enemies. You can be thankful for your enemies. Be thankful for your trials. Absolutely. There's so much we could be thankful for, friends. And every time we gather together in this place, a praise gathering, you know, it's built into, it's built into what we call our, our gathering here. It's a praise gathering. So every time we come together, we ought to be coming with hearts of thanksgiving and hearts that are ready to praise God. No matter what situations we're facing today, friends, there is always so much reason that we praise our God, our creator. Okay? Our study today is entitled, With Thanks. With Thanks. Do you all have your handouts today? If you need a handout, just put your hand in the air. We'll help you with that. We'll also be taking up an offering at the end of the service. If you need an envelope for your giving, you'll have plenty of time to prepare for that. Just shoot your hand up in the air, and we'll provide you with an envelope as well. So our study today is entitled, With Thanks. And our first section is called, Giving Thanks. And our first verse is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right, so how, how often do we need to rejoice? Always, and how often do we need to be praying? Continually, nonstop, without ceasing, okay? And how often, and when are we supposed to give thanks? In everything, in all circumstances, no matter what's going on, give thanks, okay? I think a lot of the time we just wait for something good to happen before we're thankful, right? But we don't think, well, what do I have to be thankful for today? Excuse me? Are you alive today? Yeah? You might not like having to face the day, but you could be thankful for the air that's filling your lungs today. You know? You could be thankful for the sun that never fails to shine. Every day it gets up. And God gives us all of this. There's so much to be thankful for, friends. But why should I give thanks in all circumstances? And how exactly is that part of God's will for my life? This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Because people always ask the question, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? Guys, this is God's will for your life. He wants you to rejoice all the time. Okay, he wants you to pray. He wants to be communicating with you all the time. That means he wants to be journeying with you through life. Praying continually means you are connected with your maker. And he wants you to give thanks in all circumstances. But why give thanks if I feel like there's nothing to be grateful for? Let's look at Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Do you know who said this prayer? This was Jesus Christ. 
This was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just moments before he was arrested to be taken to the cross, okay? And he was praying this prayer to his Father God, and the circumstances were far from anything he wanted. It's clear here, he's pouring his heart out to Father God. He's not complaining, but he's making a request. You see? He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. He was going to suffer the most torturous thing that he could ever suffer in his life. And it wasn't the beating, and it wasn't the the shame being dragged out in front of the crowds to the cross. And it wasn't the nails in his hand when he got up on that cross. The cup was that he would be separated from his father. He would experience what it's like to be torn from his father. The wages of sin is death. God is life. Yes? Jesus paid the wages for our sin. Friends, what do you have to be thankful for? You might want to think twice about complaining about the little things today because our God had given so much. He gave his heart out there on the cross for us. Are you still waiting for God to do more for you before you decide to say thanks, God? You know, sometimes we think it's, I pray for something, God does it my way, and then I thank him. I'm still waiting on God, so I pray for something. I want God to do it for me, and then I'll praise him. There's something wrong with this, you see. The attitude that Jesus portrayed here, he says, he makes his request because he didn't want to go. It wasn't his desire to be separated from God, from Father God. But then he goes to this place and says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Do you see how Jesus demonstrates the turning point in prayer? You know, sometimes I think um, as, as a Christian, we feel I could talk to God about anything. Yes, that's true. I can make any request known to God. Yes, that's true. But I just keep asking and asking, and then I just tack on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I think that that means I'm praying according to God's will. But it's just the closing to the prayer. You know what I mean? What you're asking of God, is it really in line with what God desires? You see? Our desires, our fleshly desires, may not line up with God's desires. So when we pray, we're not bending God's will to us. When we pray, we're putting our heart out there to be looked at. When we pray, we make our petitions known to God, and then we have to face what we're really asking of God. Your desire is out there, and then it lines up, and you see, does it line up with God's desire? If it doesn't line up, then something needs to be turned in our heart, turned in our prayer. We can't force God to work in our favor. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes our attitude. It changes our heart, you see. The purpose of prayer is to seek God's will and then align ourselves and our desires with his. 
you place your desires in full submission to Father God's will. That's what we need to do. Do you like that word submit? No? If I tell you, you need to submit, how do you feel? What's your first... Uh, you know why life is so sucky for you right now? Because you, you, you need to submit. How does that make you feel? Submit to what? Submit to who? Why? Why should I submit? They should submit to me. It depends uh, when you use that word. If it's being forced on you, you submit. No, I don't want to. But if you want other people to comply with you, this is my plan, this is my project, you submit. And then you try to force yourself over. See, submission isn't a forceful thing, friends. Submission means I recognize God as the authority. I recognize that he is sovereign, that his will will always be done no matter what because he is God and he is fully in control. And what God's will is will always be done. So I have a choice to make. Am I going to be at odds with God and try and do things my way? Or am I going to align myself with God's will? What was God's will for our lives? Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Why do we have a problem with that? If that's God's will for your life, why wouldn't you want to submit to that? I want to rejoice. I want to be full of joy, like all the time, absolutely. Even when life is sucky, yes, I want to rejoice. I want to be full of joy no matter what circumstances are coming my way. Right? Pray continually. What's wrong with that? Am I too ashamed with how I'm living my life that I don't want God to know what I'm up to? Pray continually. You know what? Every breath I take, without this breath that I have today, if you stop breathing, you just cease to exist. You just stop. Let God be like that breath when you pray. You need God each and every moment, throughout the entire day. Without God, friends, there's no life. Pray continually. Let it be like those breath prayers throughout the day. And give thanks in all circumstances. Let's look at what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. Another life verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let's stop right there where it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Other translations say a gentle spirit. And what that gentleness talks about, it, it doesn't mean be a weak-looking Christian so that people won't bother you. It doesn't mean um, stay out of their hair. It means offer more grace to one another. It means be content with what you have, and be gracious toward one another. It means the Lord has been patient with you, and you are a recipient of God's grace, so who are you to not be patient with your brothers and sisters? All right? Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let's continue. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right? Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. 
right? Pray about everything. But when you pray, you're not just asking and demanding of God. It says pray with what? With thanksgiving, you present your requests to God. Wait, I'm still requesting it from God. Why should I thank him now? Wait, God still has to do this for me before I choose to thank him. What? No, we have a faithful God, yeah? We have a God that gives us everything that we need for life and living. So when we acknowledge him as a king, as the Lord, as the one that we submit to and depend on and rely on, then we come before God with this attitude of thanksgiving because we know that he is the only one that could provide our every need. Okay? With thanksgiving, it also means I'm thankful because I trust and I know that God will come through because God always works all things together for the good of those who love him. All right? So there's faith and there's hope when we pray with thanksgiving in our hearts. Let's continue. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why should I think about these things? You know, the world tells us that if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling like life has got you down, that all you have to do is think positively, right? Have you heard that one before? Oh, you're so negative. Think positively. Sometimes that thinking positively goes to a place where we just avoid all issues. We don't actually deal with things. And we say, think positively. So you tell yourself things you want to hear. Are you aware that some of the things you tell yourself might be lies? Instead of depending on God to bring the joy, you're trying to bring the joy yourself, right? But God gave us this true nori pulovad praise. My mom coined this long time ago so I could remember the verse. Actually, it's so that she could remember the verse. It's true nori pulovad praise. Whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything that is excellent or worthy of praise, think on these things. So it's not just thinking positively, but it's what we set our mind on. What are we allowing to feed our thoughts, to feed our hearts? What is our soul nutrition? You see, our attitudes are shaped by what we think on and allow our hearts and minds to be filled with. In Matthew 12, 35, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? So if we're thinking on all the good things of God, anything that is worthy of praise and excellent, then we're filling our mind and our hearts with all the goodness of God and his kingdom. You understand? So when you're filled with God's kingdom and filled with God's spirit and filled with his rule and his reign and his law and everything that God cares about, Guess what? Praise will start coming off your lips. Why? Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My wife asked me earlier this week, we were driving in the car, and she's been reading her book, and she'll always ask me these random questions. And she says, Tim, how would you say 
what would you say is in your heart now compared to what was in your heart before we got married? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you know, and she wasn't asking, she wasn't saying, oh, it's because she wants me to love her more. No. She was reading a religious book. And she asked, no, really, what's on your heart? Because before, we used to sound very selfish. We were so self-involved. We were looking out for number one. We wanted our desires to be met. We had all of our dreams and our goals in life. And it's like, that's what we were living for. And it just seemed so selfish. And she said, Tim, what do you think is in your heart now, today? And it really got me thinking. I'm like, wait, hold on. How have I been speaking when we have our conversations? And I realize so much of what comes off my lips these days is hope. Hope. Giving other people hope. Being hopeful for other people. No matter what sort of crap we're dealing with in the world today with all these elections and everything, you know what? Hope. You know, there's still hope. If somebody seems like they're having a hard time in life, you know what? Don't judge them. Don't kick them while they're down. You know what? Hope. And it's because when I pray to God and I have my prayer requests, why would I request anything of God if I had no hope? When I um, do intercessory prayer, right, and I'm praying on behalf of the nation, praying on behalf of my, my, my church, praying on behalf of my family members, you know what? And I'm lifting them all up to God. It's, it's hope that I have, trusting that God will continue to work in their lives and that light will shine through all the dark situations in this world so that God will be known, so his glory will be made known. Hope. So what's in your heart today, friends? When you come to God and you pray to him, are you coming with thanksgiving and hope, trusting and knowing that God is able and he is mighty and he is faithful to answer your prayers? What's in your heart today? If you turn to your sidebar in the handout, it says most people are thankful for whatever makes them happy, right? Many people simply choose to be happy, but are still very ungrateful. Is this true? Yeah? You ever see someone sad and they're like, oh, you know, it's your own fault. You, you know, happiness is a choice. Stop being so sappy. Just, you know, pick yourself up. Choose to be happy. What a horrible thing to say to somebody when they feel like there's nothing to be happy about. You see, happiness is a choice. So today I might say, I choose to be happy, but I'm not grateful for anything. Right? Happiness does not lead to gratitude, but true gratitude leads to joy. Just like let that sink in a little bit. We spend our lives trying to do things that will make us happy. And we feel as long as I'm happy, you know what, I, I'm good. But you still go to bed at night feeling empty, feeling incomplete, feeling like there's still something that you have to do to get that next hit of happiness. It's like a drug, you know? And the enemy is so good at enticing us with the pleasures of life, you know? the pleasures of life, and you go chasing after the desirous things of the flesh, 
the things of this world. And it promises you temporary happiness, temporary satisfaction. But once it's done, you had a good time, well, where's my next point of happiness? And you're ungrateful because you want more, and you want more, and you're never satisfied with what's been going on in life. The gratitude is missing. So God says, rejoice always. That means always joyful. Pray continually. Don't disconnect yourself from the life source, friends. And give thanks in all circumstances. You see how it just keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. Without thanksgiving, there's no joy. Without gratitude, there is no joy. Eve, why did she bite that fruit? Was she not satisfied with everything that God provided for her and Adam? In all that Garden of Eden, they could eat of any tree except for one. Just stay away from that one tree. What do you mean I can't have it? But I want it. But it looks so good. I want some. We sound like little kids. We're told we can't have something, and it makes us want it more because we're never satisfied. That's our human nature as fallen human beings. We are never satisfied. We always want more. Where will you seek for all that more? Let's continue on. For who he is, approach accordingly. We have a bunch of psalms here, and we're just going to read them one after the other. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. God is good. Amen? That is reason enough to praise him. Reason enough to be thankful because he's good. It doesn't say praise God because he did this for you today. I mean, we should praise him when we experience his goodness, yes? But we praise him simply because he is good. We praise him and we thank him simply for who he is. Okay? How blessed we are that God, our Father, our Creator, our Judge, is good. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, we can come to a place of trusting him and allowing him to be our strength and our shield to protect us. You know, it's interesting because I think about families and the importance of the role of a father in a family. And when a father is missing, we might feel that there's more vulnerability for that family. The father plays such an important role to be a strength, to be a shield and a protector, to be a provider. I'm not saying that women can't also try to do these things. 
but it was a man's role. It's what's ordained over a man's life that he protects and he provides. And he's constantly there, watchful over all that is his. That's why in the Bible it says the true religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans and visit those in prison, feed the hungry. This is the true religion. It's not showing up here on the weekends and singing a few songs and listening to a message. It's not listening to the podcast or going to Bible studies. That's not the true religion. Those are just religious acts. Those are practices. But the true religion, friends, is one that is steeped in God's character being revealed when it's lived out. That's the true religion. Acts of kindness and mercy and grace to your neighbors that you see every day. Whoever you meet, let God's light shine. That's the true religion. Reflect the character and the glory of God in your every moment, every day. There's a passage found here in Lamentations chapter, chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. And these Lamentations, this book, they're, they're laments. They were in exile, and Jeremiah was uh, calling out to God, and it sounds like a lot of complaining, but really they're just stating their case. But amidst all this complaining in exile, we hear this voice of the prophet rise up, and there's a turning point in his complaining as well. And look at what it says here in chapter 3, 22 to 24. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. God's mercies are new every morning. God's mercies are new every morning. And I love this passage. I hang on to it every day. You know why? That's what's developed that hope attitude in my heart. Things might not have been done the way I wanted to to be done today, but I trust that God is continuing to lead me and guide me in all things. I know that when I wake up tomorrow, his mercies are new, and I won't be consumed by the things of this world. I won't be consumed by my own selfish attitude anymore. God is changing my attitude day by day, and his mercies are new every day. I need his mercy every day. I like what it says right after that. It says, great is your faithfulness. You see, it works together. God won't change tomorrow. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains. He is constant. He is God. Okay? He doesn't change. So he is faithful. He always does what he says he's going to do. And every morning, you get to discover just how faithful our God is when you think on these things. And then you respond to God. I love the Psalms because they're like songs, right? They're like lyrics to a song. And it says, you know what? I am so thankful. I want to express my thanks to you in a song, God. And we sang a beautiful song just a moment ago. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the way that you love us. And it, when it's expressed through a song, the deepest sorrows in life, when you can't express with words anymore, can come out through a song to express that grief and that sorrow. And to that greatest depth 
and misery that you experience in that moment. On the opposite side of that, you could experience God's grace and his mercy every day, and he pulls you up out of that dark place and lifts you up to a higher place, up into the light where he dwells. And there's this ineffable thing when we come before God. No words can describe what it's like when you're before your maker. And you get a real, true revelation of who he is. The ineffable sometimes cannot be explained with our words. So it comes out from a song that's in our heart. Where did that song come from? God created us in his likeness, yes? Yes? The Bible tells us God created us in his likeness. And did you know God is a creator? And he gave us creative abilities? And the song that stirs up in our heart is a song that's born out of our spirit, responding to God's spirit in that place where he meets us in our soul, in our heart. There's a coming together of us and God in our heart, and a song rises from that because there are just no words that could explain what happens there. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding. There's a joy that comes and fills your heart. There's just so much of God that when he comes in you, friends, you cannot remain the same. You will not remain the same. And you know that there's nothing left to do but thank him. But if your pride is still getting in the way, you're not thanking him. There's no gratitude. So God says, give thanks in all circumstances because I want to meet you right where you are. You don't have to prove anything to me. God says, you don't have to try and be better for me. Just open up your heart. I want to come and meet you where you are. And we're going to sing and we're going to dance and there will be a song that's just ours and nobody else would understand it. It's a beautiful thing. The Lord is merciful, the Lord is faithful, and the Lord is my portion. He's more than I need. He's more than enough for me, right? He knows more about what we need than we do. Knowing this, how will you approach God as you come to, as you come to know him more each day? Those verses we read in Psalms, it said, Run into his courts with praise, right? Run into his gates with praise and into his courts with thanksgiving. Every time we approach God, thanksgiving. And if we're praying without ceasing, we're constantly approaching God, right? So we're constantly needing to be thankful all the time, all right? If there was a really big party that you were invited to, I don't know who'd be there, but the prime minister. <laughs> Let's say the prime minister invites you to this big party that he's having, and he puts on all the show for all of his guests, and he says, parkas for everybody, you know, come on, Canadians. And it's going to be warm, and we're going to have a great time, hot chocolate and cocoa everywhere. And you're thinking, this is going to be great. But you walk in there, and you're not thankful because you don't like the prime minister. You think, this is a cool place to be. I got an invitation, so I'm going to go check it out. And you show up, but you're not really thankful. You show up, and you're carrying this attitude of, what, seriously, Justin Trudeau? Is this all that you have? And you're not going to be grateful for anything that he has to offer you. 
okay? You're like, oh, this hot cocoa? Psh, please, I'll just go to Tim's, you know? Um, and he, he's offering you gifts, and you're like, oh, this parka, really? Well, I guess if I'm Canadian, I should wear a parka because it gets cold, right? Do you guys know what a parka is? Filipinos in Canada, you need to have a parka. It'll keep you warm like you're in the Philippines, okay? So you wear the parka, and you won't know the joy of staying warm in it unless you put it on, right? You know, when we come to God's kingdom, he gives us Christ, and he gives us robes of righteousness. And he says, when you come into my kingdom, I want to give you this gift. I cover you with the righteousness of Christ. So put on Christ. If you're ungrateful for that gift that God has given you, you're not putting Christ on, are you? So how are you ever going to experience and taste and see that God is truly good if you are not taking and receiving the gifts that he's giving you? Speaking of gift giving, are you always thankful when you get a gift? Yes? Maybe it's your love language. I don't know. What if a person that you really don't like gives you a gift? Different? Depends? Do you even open it? Just out of curiosity, maybe? Do you, you take the gift into your hands, but in your heart you're rejecting the gift. Have you ever done that? Someone comes up to you, here, Chris, <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> and he, he's like, thanks, thanks. <laughs> and he's looking at it. It's a nice gesture, but you probably reject it in the moment. It's like, why are you giving me a gift? Unless it's cash. That's horrible. <laughs> I'll give you a loony, man. <laughs> you know, the same thing with God. He gives so many gifts. But, and sometimes we think that we're receiving it. Because we say, you know what? I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, so I get baptized. But after that, I want to have nothing to do with God. Right? So it's like, you want the, you want the forgiveness of God, Right? but you don't want the life transformation, right? Um, I found this meme yesterday, and it said, um, you repent to the point of forgiveness, but not to the point of transformation, or something along those lines. You repent because you want the forgiveness of God, but you don't continue to accept him and what he offers you, so your life isn't transformed. Let's look at this in James, chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Again, it's talking about who God is, right? He doesn't change like the shifting shadows, right? He's the Father of heavenly lights. And just like any wise father, he wants to teach us gratitude. Okay? He wants to teach us gratitude. Um, when one of your friends comes over and gives your child, I don't know, a treat, or gives him a little gift, or gives him some candy, what do you say to your kid? Say thank you. Say thank you. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. It's just something we do, you know? But what are we doing in that moment? We're trying to teach the child gratitude. We're trying to instill a spirit of thanksgiving in the child, you know? 
Maybe we're just doing it to look polite, you know? Just, they give you something. Say, thank you. Don't make me look bad. It's not, you know, what's your reason for telling them to say, say, thank you? But like any wise parent, we, we understand. We do not want our children to become entitled and expecting things all the time and thinking that they deserve everything that's coming. And like if they see something they want and they, they start to throw a tantrum and they act all bratty, we don't want that. So we tell our kid, say thank you. Say thank you. You know, the Bible shows us how Father God, that's pretty much what he's telling us. He's saying, child, be grateful in every situation. I know you don't like this right now, but be grateful because we're still together. You know? I take my kids out to a restaurant. But I don't like the food here, Dad. I'm like, stop, kid. You know, it's like you got to eat it or you go hungry. Amen. <laughs> you know? But you want your kid to eat something, right? Or you go to somebody's party and the same thing. Come on, they, they're giving us food. We should eat, right? We don't want to be rude. And they come up and they're like, but Dad, I really don't like the food. They don't eat anything. We leave that place and we still tell them, hey, say thank you. And the kids are like, for what? I didn't eat anything. I didn't like anything. Isn't that how we are with God sometimes? We're guests and we show up and God gives us all the good things, but because it doesn't line up with our appetite of things, we say, oh, thanks, God, but no thanks. I'm, I'm good. But thank you. I won't take what you have to give me, but thank you. We have to stop that. Because the thank you, just because you say it, doesn't mean that there's actually gratitude behind those words. So those words, thank you, become a lie. And we got to be honest with ourselves. Do I want to be polite or do I want to be true? God doesn't change, so we line up with what he wants if we want to discover all that goodness and the gifts that he has given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Thankfulness keeps our hearts in right relationship with the giver of all good gifts. How then should we express our gratitude? It's not just in saying thank you to God. Even when we sing a song, it might feel good, but is there actually gratitude being expressed there? If you look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17, what do we find there in Exodus 20, friends? The Ten Commandments, okay? The Ten Commandments. And this is more than just a list of rules. God is trying to teach the Israelites, his chosen people, he's trying to teach them as he brought them out of slavery from Egypt, he's trying to teach them two things by giving them these ten commandments. Let's have a close look at them. He's trying to teach submission. You'll have no other gods before me. Don't make or worship any idols or graven images. Don't take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. 
lest we forget the God of the Sabbath. And honor father and mother. So we see all these things, and all of these are talking about submission, honor, and dependence. See, when you submit to somebody, you do so willfully, okay? You surrender yourself to their will, and what they will is what comes over you. So you depend on them, and you honor them, acknowledging them as the authority, and you humbly submit yourself to their guidance, their protection, their control, their love, their mercy. Or you could submit yourself to the things of this world. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. What are you really going to submit to? The things of this world or the things of God's kingdom? He's trying to teach them, stay with me. Live in my house. I'm Father God. You are my children, and I will give you every good and perfect gift. I'll give you everything that you need for life and living. Just honor me. Depend on me. Don't look anywhere else. What a beautiful way to look at the first few commandments, hey? Instead of, it's too hard to keep those rules. It's not about keeping rules. It's about standing in your father's house and trusting that he'll take care of you. That's all. Let's look at the last five commandments. He's teaching them gratitude, you see? Don't murder, no adultery, no stealing, no telling lies, and no coveting what others have. Don't compare your life to others' lives and want what they have. Be content with your lot in life. God has given you everything in your life. Do you know that? Everything that you have is actually not yours. It's God's. But he has entrusted you with all those things. How are you managing it? Appreciating our lot in life. You don't murder. You don't take somebody else's life. God is the only one that gives life, and he's the only one that could take it away. Who are you to try and play God by taking away somebody else's life? Right? Don't commit adultery. Remain faithful. He's teaching us to remain faithful and stick to whatever is there. Okay? Don't steal from others. You know, it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. I've purposed everything where it belongs. Be content with what you have. No coveting. And don't tell lies. Is it hard not to lie? Is that a tricky question? Is it easy to tell the truth? It depends. What about if you just don't say anything? Because you don't want to be in trouble. <laughs> Non-confrontational. It's easy to not tell lies. You know how? Just tell the truth. If the truth is embarrassing, tell it anyway. It's the truth. If the truth hurts, tell it anyway. We have God as our healer. Right? If the truth is devastating, don't lie. Just tell the truth. 
but what is truth? We speak God's truth into other people's lives. We don't speak our own opinions into other people's lives. We live our life by principle. We, we don't make up the rules. God makes up the rules. So we follow him. Most people lie to get what they want, right? I mean, why else lie? Most people lie to get away with things that they've already done and they can't change. So where does gratitude come in with lying? It doesn't seem as bad as murder, <laughs> right? We can be thankful because God doesn't judge us on all of our sins. We could be thankful because God has forgiven us and cleared the slate. We can be thankful because when God looks at us and we put Christ on us, friends, when God looks at us, all he sees is Christ and the righteousness of Christ. What he sees is his child who he loves more than anything. When we are in Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we are in Christ, we are all part of one body, one body where Christ is the head. So when God looks at us, he looks at us as one body under Christ. Be thankful, friends. Even when you mess up, God still just wants to teach you the lessons. Be thankful because his mercies are new every morning. Be thankful and rejoice because our God is good and he is fair and he is righteous and he is just. He is faithful, friends. Be thankful. Let's look at Psalm 42, verse 5. Why, soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You ever feel like um, when you're in those desert places and life is just horrible? You might be going through some of the hardest times in life. Can your soul, I mean, like you feel downtrodden, right? Why, soul, are you downcast? You look inside yourself and you start talking to it. Instead of complaining and blaming everything around you for making your life miserable, you're just looking within yourself, looking into your heart. How am I responding to everything that's happening around me? Oh soul, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. When there seems to be no hope, put your hope in God. Like that's it. Because you could only hope in God because he's the only one that's constant. He's the only one that's faithful, and he's the only one that's good. And we know that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Put your hope in him so that you can still praise him for who he is, your Savior and your God. I'm thankful for, on a personal note, I'm thankful that yesterday, my wife and I just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. And I praise God. I praise God for his faithfulness to us through those 10 years. 
you know, we've gone through enough garbage in our own life as singles. And when we got married, guess what? The garbage piled on, man. Like, it just got really rough. Um, we got married on October 11. And exactly nine months later, our first son was born. So we were never alone, my wife and I. Um, a wedding night, that's probably when she got pregnant. So our first son is born, our second son is born, our third son is born, and everybody's like, wow, you know, you guys are so blessed. And we're like, yeah, well, we're not sleeping, and it's getting hard, and we can't keep up anymore. And people are like, you shouldn't feel that way. You know, like, God really blessed you. Yeah, I know children are a blessing from the Lord. I know, but it doesn't feel like it right now. And they're like, don't worry about it. You know, you'll, you'll get there. You'll get out of the diaper soon. You'll get sleep soon. <laughs> Ten years later, we're still not sleeping, okay? Why are you downcast, my soul? <laughs> Come on, soul, let's pick ourselves up and, you know, we tried to do it in our own strength. We tried to do it in our own power. We're like, I know God loves me, but why is he letting me go through this right now, you know? So with the three kids, I love them. I want to be the good Christian dad, you know? I'm going to protect them. I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to buckle them in their seatbelts nice and tight. You know, and I'm going to make sure they learn their manners, okay? I had it all planned out. Trying to do it in all my own strength, after a third son was born, that's when I had my heart attack, right? And I'm like, okay, God. Um, I collapsed in my garage one day, and I was trying to get my family into the car so we could go to a birthday party. I collapsed in the garage. Nobody knew. I blacked out completely. And I remember while that was happening, I couldn't say the words because my jaw was locked and it was so tight like someone was strangling me. And I remember I was just like, please, Lord, not now. Please, Lord, not now. Don't let me go now, please, because there's still my family that needs you. Use me, Lord. Just use me now. Don't let me go now. This couldn't be it. And I prayed to God and guess what? I wasn't down for very long. I got back up went downstairs, picked up my family, got them in the car, strapped them in, we went to dinner. I thought, okay, maybe it was just a bad, maybe I was just a little stressed. I realized God could have taken me in that moment if he wanted to. My life is his to take if he wants to. But I pleaded with God, please, Lord, use me if I've been selfish. In that moment, without so many words, this can't be it. And I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about those three young boys and my wife that need to know who God is the way that I came to know him. I could die today happy knowing that I know my God. But I want so badly for my children and my wife and my family, you know, I want them all to know God too. And I, I, gave, I gave my life to God again that day. I'm like, Lord God, from this day forward, I'm living for you. I'm tired of being selfish. This life isn't about me. Everything that you've given me, it truly is yours. So I'm turning it all back to you, Lord God. And for me and my house, we're going to praise you, God. We're going to worship you and you alone. And I thank God. A year later, we found out on the day of my surgery that my wife had a brain tumor. The same day as my surgery, a year later, Beverly 
Thank God, you know what? We found the tumor. It would have gone undetected. And she was having a really hard time just living life, you know? And thank God they were able to completely rip out every part of that tumor. She lost her hearing completely in one ear. But she's still praising God anyway. I mean, there's loss, and we could still praise God, you know? After she found out about, after the tumor was removed, uh, we found out that three of our children are autistic. They're all on the spectrum, and that just opened up a whole new world for us, and we didn't know what to do with it, and we're like, God, you just brought us through so much already. Are you really, we can't handle this anymore. Why do you keep giving it to us? We weren't complaining, but everyone would encourage us and say, you know what? God doesn't give you more than you could handle. I'm like, yes, he does, because we can't handle this. Every time we thought we could handle it, God gave us something else. And I realize now, after all that, finally I learned my lesson. God gives us all these, he allows us to go through the difficult things so that we won't forget our need of him. He wants us to depend on him and rely on him. If we rely on ourselves, there's no submission to God. And I thought I was submitting to God because I do church, because I study the Bible. Those are just religious things. Okay? But when you give your life to God because you're grateful and thankful for everything he gives... Imagine what God could do through your life and what sort of testimonies you're giving. It'll be praising God. Why? Because it's nothing that you do. When you share your testimony, it's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's all about what God has done. And God does everything because of who he is. All right? So we praise him for those two things, for who he is, for all he's done, not about what you get from him. It's not about that. Okay? Life is not about you. You are not God. There's only one God, friends. So we submit ourselves to him, worship him, and find joy and peace and hope. No matter what you're going through, praise him. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Like God gives many spiritual gifts, okay? And he, he gives them and he grants them, but all these gifts are going to pass away. But there's only going to be these three forever gifts that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And it says the greatest of these is love. But why? If you look at faith alone, a loveless faith, is nothing more than empty religious exercise, right? Empty religious exercise. And loveless hope, it's an oxymoron because we cannot hope for something we do not love, something we do not value and cherish. Faith and hope will benefit the one who possesses that faith and that hope. Okay? And you can't brag about your faith and your hope. Did you know that? You can't brag about it because it's, it's a gift from God. Okay? The, he develops your faith and he grows you and matures you spiritually. That is a gift 
from God. You cannot brag that you're the one that came up with it, okay? When I noticed that hope was in my heart, I'm not bragging about that. I'm like, wow, God's doing a work in my heart that I wasn't fully aware of, but it shows whatever your heart is full of. Your mouth will speak it, faith and hope. They benefit you, but love always benefits others. That's why the greatest of these is love. You could do anything and everything for God that you want to do for him, but if it's not motivated by love and God's not in it, guess what? It's worthless. It's like filthy rags. Are you thankful for the gifts that God has given? True thankfulness will not allow the gifts to die in our possession. True gratitude is expressed only as we allow God's love to flow through us to others. God's love is a gift that keeps on giving. Do you know that passage found in John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because God is love, God gives. Love gives. When we are thankful, friends, when we are truly thankful to God, it means that we will live a life of love that is pleasing to him, that will bring him all the honor and all the glory, all the praise that he deserves, we don't take the credit for ourselves. When somebody looks at your life and they see all the stuff that you've gone through, don't let it be about you. Tell the story of how God worked through all those situations. Honor him and glorify him. I didn't finish the story. I, I only told you about my wife, my three sons, and all that stuff. After the autism diagnosis, um, we found out that we were pregnant with our fourth child. And my wife and I were sitting there having a date. And we, we had just found out two days prior. And we were thinking, how are we going to do this? OK, we, we got through that. We're getting healthier. The kids are in their programs. And we said, OK, I think we could handle this. I think we got this. You know, it's like we, we've gone through enough. I think we could handle this. That very same day after our, our lunch date, we went back home to pick up our, our son. He wanted to go to Walmart to get a gumball from the gumball machine. And he was a little impatient, and he had uh, escaped from the house, ran out the front door, ran through the neighborhood barefoot, and he ran at least two kilometers down the road to the nearest Walmart. He almost made it, by the way. Where he could see Walmart where he was, and he was running across the intersection, and all of a sudden this big SUV comes and just hits him, and he goes flying a few feet. As a parent who's been trying to trust in God because we know we can't do it on our own, in that moment, I'm like, oh, Lord, please just let him be alive. 
we weren't there to see it. We were there in the aftermath. My wife and I looked all over, him, all over the neighborhood for him. And this was our most challenging child physically, okay? He's uh, the naughty one, okay, <laughs> before. That's how we, we used to see him, so active. And um, I remember in that moment, I'm just like, please, Lord, whatever it is, let him be alive. But if you took him, he's yours to take. It's the same prayer my wife prayed, Lord, we had a good life together. If you need to take Tim, take him. When my wife went through her surgery, Lord, I'm trusting you alone. You're the great physician. Only you know what's going to happen on the other side of this surgery. Lord, if you're ready to take her, I'm grateful for every moment I've had with her. She's yours to take. And when my son, when our son got hit by that SUV, oh, man. Lord, so many things were going through my mind. If you gave us this new baby that's coming, I don't know, you know, like, will that replace the hurt that we feel if he's gone? Like, all these things go through your mind in a flash. So there's nothing you could do but steal your anxious soul. And instead of being anxious, just pray out to God. And when you pray out to God, you put your hope in him. Because you know when you trust that whatever he has, it's going to be good. We are so blessed that we have every day with Tate, with our boy that got hit. He is such a joy. You know his name, Tate? Sorry. All of our children, their names mean something. Tobin means God is good. Tatum, it means um, cheerful. Cheerful praise is his name. Every day, he is such a joy. He brings so much joy to our life. And we praise God. You know what? After all that, we found out finally, you know, our fourth child, we said, okay, Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Just please let this be another boy because boys are easier. We can handle them. We don't know what we're going to do with the daughter. You know what God did? He gave us a daughter. (laughs) And I'm grateful for her. I love her, you know? It's just... And he knows better. We needed a daughter to soften our hearts. We needed a daughter because it forces us to keep trusting in him, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And then after all this is, uh, all this, you know, we're just thankful to God. Ten years of marriage, and my wife is almost ready to deliver our uh, fifth child. And this time it's another boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) yeah all that stuff happened and it sounds like I'm talking about my family but friends it was through my family that God revealed himself to me okay and when you share your testimonies it's all about how God works in your life your testimony is not about you it's all about God and how he's faithful and he knows what's best for us and you know what friends I just want you all to have hope I want you all to have hope that, you know, God will continue the the work that he started in you, and he will continue to grow your faith and reveal himself to you in powerful and mighty, mighty ways. May you be blessed, and may you be thankful. God is with you all. Peace.